My name is Stuart Mazell, and I'm the pastor here. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're here in person or those of you who are joining us online. We are going to continue our series called Overflow. Um, we, are, we have looked at so far that as a people, we are blessed to be a blessing, that God has poured out his blessing on us, and therefore we are to pour out towards others. Uh, we've seen that in the area of love, that God has poured out his love into us and on us, and so we are to do the same to others. We have also seen that God has been merciful to us. He has shown us great mercy and kindness and compassion, and so we too are to show compassion and mercy and kindness uh, to others. Today, well, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And this is what God's word says from that chapter. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, help us. Help us to see just how much you were willing to give in order to secure us for yourself. And Holy Spirit, fill us, empower us that we would hear what you have to say to the church today, and we would respond overflowing with what you want us to overflow with, that we would be generous givers, that we would reflect our Father who gives and gives and gives to us. Help us, Lord. We can be stingy, we can be uh, grumpy givers, we can be selfish and self-centered. Help us to be the kind of people you really want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so by now, you probably figured out 
that we are going to be talking about generosity. If we're talking about generosity, we're going to end up talking about money. And if we're talking about money, you know somewhere in there, there's going to be some talk about giving to the church. And yes, so cards on the table, yes, all of those things are true. All right? But also cards on the table, I want you to understand that um, I realize that whenever generous giving is talked about, there is discomfort. I feel it, even if you don't. I don't really like to talk about money. I don't like to talk about money in my own household. I definitely don't like talking about money when I'm standing up here. Some of that comes from my background. I was raised um, in a fairly poor family, and money was always kind of a sore subject. The second, when I was in college, I briefly attended a church that emphasized giving quite a lot. A lot, a lot. In fact, the way I remember it, and maybe this isn't fair to them, because this was quite quite a while back, um, it seems like I remember them talking about giving to the church more than they ever talked about Jesus, which just left a bad taste in my mouth. And that bad taste hasn't been helped at all by TV evangelists who uh, abuse the Word of God in ways that really should not be because they basically want people to give to them and they use every trick in the book to try to give get people to give. Like, for example, maybe some of you remember back in 1987, a guy named Oral Roberts, how he said that if he didn't raise a certain amount of money, and it was in the millions, that basically God was going to take his life. Or more recently, Creflo Dollar, asking his church members to give $300 each so that he could have a private jet. Now, the private jet's for ministry, which is what makes it right. (laughs) And and then, (laughs) whenever I actually do get emboldened to talk about money with other people, I, I feel their defenses going up. Like I'm a Klingon in Star Trek on the warship, just coming after the Enterprise, and I can hear them go, shields up! (laughs) So, just know that I'm uncomfortable, maybe as uncomfortable as you are, hearing the message about generosity. So, what I would really like to happen when I talk about generosity is this. Can we show that image? This is what I would like for it to happen. Yeah, see that. See how happy these people are? They're so happy to give to the church. I mean, they're just willingly throwing that money in, and they're smiling. Now, there is a problem that they're the only people in the church, apparently. (laughs) But other than that, they're really happy. And that's what I wish would happen, but my fear and anxiety rises up because I think this is what's going to actually happen. (laughs) So, (laughs) whatever your response is today, I'm going to try to be faithful to the scriptures. I'm not going to try to like, you know, weasel, uh, weasel you into trying to give if 
it's not something that you're supposed to be doing. No, what I want to do is hide myself behind the scriptures as much as I can today. And if you've ever been in a service, some of many of you have, where I preached, you're going to see more scripture today than I probably ever give, partly because I want to hide behind what the scriptures actually say today more than ever, so that you know it's not Stuart saying, come on, give, give, give. It's God's word saying, this is who we're to be. All right, now that's over with, let's begin. We've been talking about why God, when he overflows something into our lives, it overflows into, our, into other people's lives. So today we're talking about generosity, and here's the point, the big point, the major point. Because God has been generous to us, we are called to be generous. Because God has been generous to us, we are called to be generous. Now let's take a look at this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 to see how this plays out. So just a little context, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's basically saying to them, hey, the church in Jerusalem really needs help, financial help. They are impoverished right now and they, need, they, they really need your help. And then he shows them the example of the churches in Macedonia as an example of giving. And here's what he says in verses 1 through 2. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What he's basically saying is, church in Corinth, you're actually pretty rich compared to the churches in Macedonia. But these churches in Macedonia, even though they're impoverished, even though they're going through affliction, they joyfully give to this reason for helping out the church in Jerusalem. And then in verse 7, he says, but as you excel in everything, church in Corinth, you excel in faith, you excel in speech, you excel in knowledge, you excel in earnestness, you even excel in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In other words, be generous in your giving. Now, if you're really astute, there are a couple of things that you'll notice. One, you're going to go, uh-huh, Stuart, see, it's not giving to the church in general. This is just giving to the needs, and you're absolutely right. But there's a second thing that the really astute people among you, and because we're Presbyterians, let's, let's be honest, some of you are really astute, right? Come on, you can admit it. Okay, don't. Um, verse 8, right after Paul says, excel in this act, he says in verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. And, and you look at that and you say, see, Stuart, no command to be generous. It's just kind of a, an encouragement, a suggestion, something that you can either do or don't do, but either way, it's not a command. God doesn't command us to be generous. Where are you getting this from, Stuart? I would, I would agree with you if it wasn't for the next verse. Verse 9. Because right after he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove the earnestness of, by the earnestness of his other, your love also is genuine. He says, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Okay, so he's not commanding the church in Corinth to give, but he is saying it's grounded in your relationship with Jesus, the one who gave up the riches of heaven. As, as Philippians chapter 2 tells us, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't want to hold on to it. No, instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul is grounding this idea of being generous in the gospel itself, in the good news of Jesus, that God really has been generous to us, that Jesus himself is really generous to us. And if that's what our king is like, if that's what our savior is like, shouldn't we be generous people? If that's still not enough for you, then take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 and 18. I love this passage. Because he says, as for the rich in this present age, now let me stop there. Every one of you is probably thinking, that's not me. Because we always think of rich people as someone who has more money than I do. Right? That's the way we typically think. I'm not rich because I don't have as much money as so-and-so. Let me tell you, if you're able to pay for cable, you're rich. I'm not saying whether you have cable or not. I'm saying if you're able to pay for cable, if you've got enough discretionary income to be able to pay for cable, you are rich. And that pretty much covers most of us in this room. You're rich. By the standards of the world, everyone in this room is rich. So do not look at this passage and say, oh, that's for those folks. No, this is for you. As for the rich, you in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You see, God richly provides for everything that we enjoy, and we are to be generous and ready to share. And if that doesn't do it for you, here's some other passages, just to like, you know, make, it, make it really stick. Psalm 37.21 says, The wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. You want to be righteous? Generosity. Proverbs 19.17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Sounds like a good thing. And then last week, we mentioned in Luke chapter 6, verse 30, these are the words of Jesus, who says, give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. That is generosity. Now, if I was a really brave pastor, and, and I'm probably not, but a really brave pastor at this point might say something like, so you're to give sacrificially. 
You're to give until it hurts. And when it comes to giving until it hurts, some of you have a very low threshold for pain. That was a joke, actually. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, when, when I heard it before, uh, people laughed. Maybe it hits too close to home. I don't know. But we're to give generously because God has given generously to us. And when you think about God's generosity, God's generosity to us is extravagant. And that is not an understatement. That is an understatement. Yeah, sorry. That is an understatement. God's generosity to us is extravagant. Again, here's a lot of scripture I'm going to be throwing out at you, but I want you to hear it because when you really start to think just how generous has God been to me, wow. First, from our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, rich in glory, rich in wonder, rich in joy, rich in love, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Here's Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords in heaven, enjoying the riches and the glory and the wonder and everything about what heaven is like and then being willing to give it all up for a time being in order to give us life. Wow. That is generosity. We mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again this week. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Okay, what doesn't belong to God? If we take this passage seriously, the earth is his, the fullness of the earth is his, the world is his, and even those who dwell in the world, they're his. Wow, that's everything. So you know the, uh, the Spanish phrase, mi casa es su casa? My house is your house? How many of you would like to live that out the way that God lives it out for us? I mean, literally. My house is your house. Come and live in my house. Come and take everything that I have. You want something out of the refrigerator? It's yours. You want to sleep in my bed? Sure, that's fine. I'm probably not going to sleep in there with you, but you know. <laughs> but still, what we're seeing here is that if, if God owns everything, then everything that we have, it really belongs to him, and he's just allowing us to have it by sharing it with us. Wow. And then think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And what did he give? He gave his son. What greater gift could he give? That whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have eternal life. There he gives again. He doesn't just give the son. He also gives life with the son. And his generosity doesn't stop there. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God has even given us his Holy Spirit to reside in those of us who believe. And that spirit is a spirit that acts as a guarantee of what is to come. And what is to come? Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
everything that the kingdom is about, all of the glory, all of the joy, all of the righteousness, all of the wonder, everything that the kingdom is about, God is willing to give to you, his followers. Wow. And then we see God's nature in general from Matthew chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. And then he says, look, think about yourselves. Which one of you, if he asks his son, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Wow, just pouring out blessing upon blessing, just being so generous. And it's not just with stuff that God is generous with us, right? James 1 through 5, sorry, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Now, I ask for wisdom a lot, and you probably would say, well, Stuart, you probably need to pray a little bit more. But that's okay, because what I see in this passage is if any of you lacks the wisdom, go to God, ask him, believe, and he, it will be given to you. That is good news, because we all need wisdom to live in this mess of a world that we're in. And then think about Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There is not any blessing that God has that can be given to us by his spirit that he is withholding from us. Every spiritual blessing is ours even so much so that he says in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has been called to his own glory and excellence. Do you see how extravagant God's generosity is to you? I dare say God outgives all of us. God outgives the biggest giver we have. God cannot be outdone when it comes to giving. And God's generosity to us is so extravagant, it's, it's mind-blowing to think that he wants us to imitate that generosity. But he does. And part of the reason we can do that is because we don't have to live in a scarcity mindset. You know what I mean by that? When you're in a scarcity mindset, when you know you don't, you don't have enough money to put food on the table, you have a mindset that says there's just not enough. We just don't have enough. And because you don't have enough, you don't give. But if you've got plenty, you've got more than enough, it's easier to say, well, here, have some. Right? And that's what we are in Christ. God has been so generous. He's given us so much that we can give. We can give of our time. We can give of our treasure. We can give of our talent. Generosity isn't just one thing. It is a lifestyle that we live out. But here's the secret. 
the secret to generosity. As we give ourselves to Jesus, giving to others is a joyful privilege. That's what we see in 2 Corinthians. As we give ourselves to Jesus, giving to others is a joyful privilege. Let me read this one more time from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Don't miss this next section. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, that's the secret. They realized how much God had given them in Christ and they gave themselves over to Jesus and as they gave themselves over to Jesus, they were willing to give of themselves and of their stuff and even beyond their means to help out other people. Wow. So I'm not going to belabor the point here today. Our action point for today is this. Overflow with generosity. With all that God has given us, with all that we have in Christ, overflow with generosity. And if you're still thinking, okay, how do I do that? I don't know how, I don't know where to begin. Here's an acrostic. I figured it out. If you're going to give generously, you are a giver. G-I-V-E-R. All right? And I made it green. So it looks like money. I know, that's my dad coming out, I'm sorry. Um, so the first is, the first G, the grow. Grow in gratitude. You know, there are studies that have been done in neuroscience, that's the studies of the brain and how the brain pathways work, that those people who are thankful give more. And in fact, the John Templeton Foundation says that grateful people give around 20% more in their time and money to charity than others. So start by being grateful for what God has already given you. Start by looking. Count your blessings. Think about what God has already given you. What is it that you have in Christ? What is it that you have just in general? And think about that every day, and as you grow in gratitude, you will most likely grow in generosity. Second, the I. Identify opportunities around you. A lot of times when we think about generosity, we're thinking about you know, giving to some poor family over in Africa or something like that. Look, you don't have to think globally to be generous. It's good to do so, but you don't have to. You can start right where you are. There are people who may have needs right here. Right here, even in this church. We identify the opportunities that are around us. I'm going to read these two passages. 
And I don't know what the fallout's going to be, but here we go. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45. This is about the early church. It says, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then in Acts 4, verses 34 through 35, we see something very similar. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, I already know some of you have your socialism radar up. It's like, doo, 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 socialism, beware, socialism, beware. This is not socialism, okay? The early Christians simply identified the needs around them and they did what they could to help each other out. That's it. It wasn't coerced. It wasn't forced. It wasn't demanded. It was simply they did it out of a heart for each other. They did it freely and willingly. They gave up some of their stuff for others so that others would have something that they needed. That's not socialism. Honestly, that's just called love. Generous love. So look at the opportunities around you. What are the opportunities? Identify those opportunities and give generously. Give to the church, yes. You saw that we're a little bit behind budget. We have a vision for bringing on another staff member so that we can do more ministry out in the community. We're going to need funds for that. Give generously to that. Kieran is going on a, a mission trip this whole summer, and she's doing a silent auction today. There's, an, there's identifying an opportunity to give generously. There are needs in this body that you may know about. People who legitimately have needs and they're doing everything they can to try to make things work, but they can't make it work because they just do not have the finances in the bank. Give generously. Identify those things and give. Third, the V, I'll do this quickly. Value what is truly important. A lot of times, we place value on things that aren't that important. You know, last night, um, some of you know I'm a Duke fan. I will get your condolences afterwards. Um, and I, I told Donna that I did not want to watch the whole game. Because I knew if they lost, I would be upset and I wouldn't be able to go to bed. And then I wouldn't have the energy to do what I have to do today. Now, as I think about that, why do I care that much about whether a team loses or wins? It's just a game. But we end up valuing things that aren't as important. I'll go through this quickly. Remember, when Jesus was asked by one of the scribes, what is the, which commandment is the most important of all? He said, love your Love your Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If you want something that really, really matters, really values, you value God and you value people. Everything else is 
tertiary. And then remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you're worried about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you're going to make ends meet, seek first the kingdom, and God will take care of you. All right, so value the right things. Last two letters, engage willingly and wisely. Engage willingly and wisely. Generosity isn't generosity if you're forced into it. But also generosity needs to be wise. Going back to that Acts passage, let's just say that we we did a little experiment and we did that today. And I said, okay, I'm going to sell everything I have and give it to you so that you will not be poor anymore. Well, now I'm poor. Right? So now somebody else has to sell all their stuff to give to me so that... I can be rich again or or have what I need. But then they're poor. And then it just keeps going around in circles, right? The way that they did that was not some kind of A plus B equals C formulaic pattern. It was we'll be willing to give something up in order to help other people. They gave wisely. They didn't just like, oh, you need something? Here, have everything. Oh, well, what am I going to do now? No, they looked out after each other, and they did that wisely. So when we engage in giving, let's do it willingly, let's do it wisely. And finally, remember, remember, God owns it all anyway. God owns it all anyway. I heard the story recently, and we'll end with this, um, where a, a father took his son out for dinner, and the son, being the son that he was, wanted to go to McDonald's. And he wanted French fries, those delicious little morsels that I don't know what they put in those things, but they are more delicious than they need to be for potatoes. But anyway, the, the, the son said, I want, I want French fries. So the dad went up and got the French fries and he put them down on the table. And as the son is eating the French fries, the dad reached over and wanted to take one French fry, just one French fry. And the son said, Dad, get your own. And as the dad thought about it, he was the one that paid for the french fries. He was the one who took his son to McDonald's. He was the one who not only paid for it, but he's the one who ordered them. And he's the one who brought them to the table. Really, those french fries were his. And he could do whatever he wanted with it. And he could buy more french fries if he wanted, or he could take those french fries away, and he would be perfectly in his right. Right? If everything really does belong to God, that changes the way we think about what is ours. We can have an open hand. And then, just as uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, as we, a church, excel in everything, as we excel in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and even in our love for one another, let's see that we excel in this act of grace also. So let's excel. Let's excel in the grace of joyful giving for God's glory and the good of others. Let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, will you help us to excel, to excel in the grace of joyful giving for your glory 
for the good of others. Help us to see how much you've really given to us. And even as we uh, come to the table today, remind us of your generosity in Christ that you really have given us bread to eat, drink to drink, and even more than that, life eternal to share forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.